Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 335. Today's topic is Food, Farming, and Climate, Part 3. The purpose of the Climate Report is to solve the problem of climate change. And I have come to believe that climate change is by no means an isolated issue. It's interconnected with a range of issues and is by no means separate from our other environmental concerns such as species extinction, water quality, water security, food security, and even strong local economies. Don't we all want to buy local? We give service, lip service to buying local But how much have we actualized that ideal? Because if we get to the root cause of climate change, we'll be addressing all those other issues. In fact, we must support our ecosystems, our water cycles, and our food systems in order to solve the problem of climate change. And what would it look like to solve the problem of climate change. What would that solution look like? Well, it would mean an end of drought and desertification because drought and desertification have the same cause as climate change. In fact, severe drought is climate change. Drought is not caused by climate change. Drought is climate change. Solving the problem of climate change would mean that we put an end to the economic factors that cause species extinction. Because much of the species extinction is caused by poor land use, which in turn eradicates plant matter and ecosystems, which in turn causes our water cycles to go away. Our water cycles bring us rain. Ecosystems bring us water cycles. Plant matter lies at the foundation of our ecosystems. So if we restore our ecosystems, we will thereby restore our water cycles, which will reverse desertification, which will prevent drought. And this is true whether you're talking about Africa or the American West or Australia or even in the I states, Indiana, Illinois, Iowa. These places are desertifying. Because know this, desertification means plant matter is going away and being replaced by bare dirt. Bare dirt warms the climate because bare dirt is a hot plate, a solar-powered hot plate. That solar-powered hot plate exists where there was once plant matter and a lot of it. Most of the deserts in the world used to be a place where there was a lot of plant matter, whether it was a grassland or a savanna or a forest. Maybe it was a forest, maybe it was a grassland, maybe it was a savanna, but plant matter is a solar 
powered air conditioner. A tree is a solar powered air conditioner because a tree emits water in a process called transpiration. Transpiration is where the tree takes water from the ground and pushes it upward until it evaporates from the leaves. Now if you walk in a forest and feel how cool it is, you know what I'm talking about. And even if you walk under a single shade tree and feel how cool it is, you know what I'm talking about. It's cool under the shade tree not just because of the shade, but because of the many gallons of water every day that evaporates into the atmosphere because of the normal, natural functioning of a tree. Now, scientists who understand evapotranspiration can tell you a couple of things. Number one, they can tell you about how many gallons or liters evaporate from a tree of a certain size. And they can tell you how much of a cooling effect that has because every gram of water that evaporates has a cooling effect. From high school physics we learned that a gram of water when it evaporates it takes 540 calories. Little calories, not big calories. In our diet we're talking about big calories, but the little calories, 540 of those, that's what it takes to evaporate one gram or one milliliter of water. So there's a measurable cooling effect for every gram of water that evaporates. Now the energy doesn't just go away, it becomes another form of energy. It turns from sensible heat, that is heat we can feel, into something called latent heat, which means hidden heat, which is heat we can't feel. So what does this mean? It means that if a tree of a certain size evaporates, say, 100 liters of water, a liter is about a quart, about four liters in a gallon, but if a tree of a certain size evaporates 100 liters of water, that's equivalent in cooling capacity to a certain number of air conditioners. Maybe a tree of a certain size is equivalent to one air conditioner. But there's a certain number of kilowatt hours that it would take to cool that water, or rather a certain number of kilowatt hours it would take to evaporate that water, and that's equivalent to a certain amount of air conditioning capacity. The difference is that the air conditioners are blowing hot air out the back, whereas the tree does not blow air out the back end. But the point is, trees have a measurable cooling effect. Why we're not talking about this in relation to climate defies explanation. Why we're not talking about this in relation to our urban heat islands defies explanation. 
and why we're not talking about this in relation to desertification defies explanation explanation don't look to be don't look to the New York Times or inside climate news for all the talk about how much water cools our climates and how much trees are stewards or conduits of that water and how trees and other plants have the ability to create microclimates that have a substantial even dramatic cooling effect. There is no rational explanation why we're not talking about this in relation to urban heat islands, desertification, and even global warming. Actually some of us are talking about this and in that regard I invite you to go to the Facebook group Water and Climate where we are having a dynamic conversation about the cooling effects of water. Some of the world's authorities on that topic are in that group and it's a group that I started a year ago and a lot of good people have pitched in and made it a dynamic group about water, the cooling effects of water, and the impact on climate that we could have. But for now, let's, in this show, let's talk about food, farming, and climate. Because if we get our food and farming sector going in the right direction, we will go very far to address the issues discussed above. If we get our food and farming going in the right direction, we will go far to reverse desertification. If we get our food and farming going in the right direction, we will go far to stop deforestation and instead practice reforestation because farms can include trees. Newsflash, farms can include trees. You don't have to get rid of all the trees to have a farm. And in that regard, I would invite you to read Restoration Agriculture by Mark Shepard. He's a Wisconsin farmer who can show you how to integrate trees into the farming operation. And if we get our food and farming going in the right direction, we will go far to treat our soils with respect and reap all the benefits of good living soil. And if we get our food and farming going in the right direction, we will go far to strengthen local economies and get away from the big government institutions, the big corporate institutions, and even the big nonprofit institutions that have no concern whatsoever for your well-being. Despite all the rhetoric, despite all the posturing, and despite all the virtue signaling to the contrary. And if we get our food and farming going in the right direction, we will thereby restore the nutritional value of our foods, which has plummeted since your grandparents were on or near a farm. Since my, my, since my grandfather was on a farm, uh, was a farmer, the nutritional value of our foods has plummeted in the last 70 years because of so-called modern agriculture. And if we get our food and farming going in the right direction, we will thereby move toward breathing clean air and drinking clean water. So brief recap of what we 
the understandings that we talk, like the foundational understandings that we talk about last time. Hopefully only two or three minutes on this, but everything that you see around you that is associated with gardening and farming is wrong. The plow, for example, tillage is wrong. Not like all tillage all the time is bad, but mainly tillage is very destructive. Chemical fertilizers are very destructive. Pesticides mostly are very destructive. Monocultures, that is one crop as far as the eye can see, is very destructive. When we hear all this hand-wringing about, you know, the, the, the food crisis that's coming up because we have this food system where you get your food from another continent. Well, yes, people are going to suffer because that food system is vulnerable, but, but that food system is not inevitable. We need a fundamentally entirely different food system. Another fundamental understanding from last time is that the federal government is big in the business of incentivizing the wrong practices. The federal government incentivizes the wrong practices and works with agribusiness corporations and the likes of Bill Gates to export the world's worst practices to other countries, other continents, Australia, Asia, Africa, South America. So the federal government is big into the business of exporting all the wrong practices, incentivizing all the wrong practices. So what do we need to know about the right practices? We need to know first and foremost that healthy soil is teeming with life. The soil that we need is teeming with life. The soil that, ra that grows nutritional food is teeming with life. Microbial life, fungal life, insect life, worms, snails, slugs, pill bugs. Healthy soil is teeming with life. That's what delivers nutrition to the food. That's what filters our water. That's what stores our water so that there is a great deal of water on reserve in between rainfalls. So healthy soil is teeming with life for all those reasons. Healthy soil, which is teeming with life, is a sponge. Healthy soil is populated with a soil food web. You know, food web is just a system of food change, the chains. The bacteria are eaten by the protozoa. The protozoa are eaten by the nematodes. The protozoa and the bacteria and the nematodes are eaten by microarthropods, which means the smaller, and you know, which means insects, spiders, um, invertebrates like pill bugs and snails and slugs and uh, millipedes, etc. So that's healthy soil. Modern agriculture disregards these living things and these systems of living things because it is not, you know, for reasons that we won't go into. So let's talk about what we can do. Last episode, last two episodes, plus this one, we've been talking about why farming as it is is all wrong and through no fault of the farmers who are just stuck in a system that they didn't create and wouldn't want if they knew the alternatives. But food and farming is the most consequential sector of our economy. So let's talk about how to change it. So what we can do, we're going to talk about 
eight things we can do in our community to change the system of food and farming and with all the benefits that go along with it. Number one, learn how farming works. What we can do, learn how farming works. My goodness, we're in the age of information. And some of the most engaging information you can find on the internet is on YouTube uh, under the topic of, you know, regenerative farming. Look for people like Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown is the author of Dirt to Soil. He has a whole new perspective on soil and you will understand how nearly everything we thought we knew about gardening is wrong. Nearly everything we thought we knew about farming is wrong. Uh, healthy soil is living soil. Get to know Gabe Brown. He's a North Dakota farmer who has had his own journey through from an old conventional model of farming to a much more dynamic regenerative model of farming. Similarly, get to know Joel Salatin, S-A-L-A-T-I-N. He's in Virginia. He is entertaining. He has a farm that is the way farms should be. He's written a number of books. Uh, being outdoors in a system that is truly diverse and wild and getting stuck by briars and, you know, coming close to things like poop and you know, the myriad different, you know, plants that you encounter, animals that you encounter outside, the fungi that you encounter outside, being close to all that stuff and the exercise that goes with it used to strengthen our immune systems. But now we don't get much exposure to that stuff and it shows, nor do we get exposure to a healthy kind of food, which would give us the nutrition to strengthen our immune system. Somebody else I want you to get to know online, in addition to Gabe Brown and Joel Salton, would be Jeff Lawton. He's one of the gurus of what's called permaculture, which is permanent agriculture, as opposed to the type of agriculture that where you're always disturbing, always changing. But Jeff Lawton says you can solve all the world's problems in a garden. And Jeff Lawton has taken a, a desert and turned it into an oasis. He can do that. He knows how to do it. Why wouldn't we learn how to do that if we're seriously interested in food justice, food sovereignty, addressing climate change, addressing water scarcity, etc.? Why wouldn't we learn how to turn a desert into an oasis? Because too often we're just in the role of consumer. We have not learned in our age to do very many things. We need to learn how to produce things of value and not just consume things of value. And if we can learn how food is produced, then we can look to the rest of the world and say, these problems enter our own society and say, these problems exist because people are denied the right and the opportunity to produce their own food. So many of the world's problems would go away or be greatly diminished if we knew how to produce our own food, at least some of it. Item number two of the list of things that we can do to change food and farming with all the benefits that come along with that is to buy locally. Buy locally. Buy food from your local farmer at your local farmer's market. And a variation on that is CSA, Community Supported Agriculture. Go to your farmer's market, 
find out who has uh, CSA and where you can get CSA. Get online and say, where can I get community-supported agriculture near me? Item number three on how to change food and farming is grow some of your own food. Start small, start simple, don't feel like you have to do a big production all at the same time. One of my favorite personalities in this space is Diego Footer, and he, he says something that I agree with. He said, learn how to grow one thing, and then learn how to grow three things. But don't start with five or ten. If you're just beginning, don't start with five or ten things, because it'll be overwhelming, and you'll feel like you've failed. Learn how to grow one or at most three things. Learn how to grow tomatoes or peppers or butternut squash. But start small, start simple, learn how to grow one thing. Item number four on the list of ways to change food and farming and all of the benefits that go along with that. Number four is learn how soil works. A really good book, really good book in this regard is Teeming with Microbes. So there's Gabe Brown, Dirt to Soil, that's good. But Teeming with Microbes really teaches you how soil works. Another couple of personalities to look up under soil on YouTube, Matt Powers, loads of positive energy. You gotta know Matt Powers. Also look up Christine Jones, a brilliant, brilliant woman from Australia who knows how, to, how soil works and she's on the cutting edge of it. And she and Elaine Ingham will tell you that we only know a tenth of one percent about how the soil works. It's always changing, but if we know the basics, if we know how intricate it is, if we know how uh, complex it is, if we know how soil is teeming with life, then we will at least know not to mess it up. Don't mess it up with chemical fertilizers. Don't mess it up with tillage. Don't mess it up with, um, you know, leaving it bare. Cover up the soil. That's like skin. Plants and, and, uh, and organic matter are like skin. You don't want there to be no skin. That's unhealthy. Item number five on how to change food and farming is if you're a homeowner, treat the soil with respect. Mow less. Let things grow. You might have to fight your neighbors about this. You might have to explain to your neighbors what you're doing, but mow less and let things grow. Also get free wood chips. You can get wood chips for free at chipdrop.com. But grow more, mow less. If you grow more, then a healthy, rich diversity of plants will probably emerge from your yard because it's been suppressed all this time. If you don't know what's there, get an app like uh, Picture This is a really good app for identifying the plants in your yard. And you'll know what's there. The main thing is to not let any one thing take over. Item number seven in how to change food and farming is, is get to know gardeners in your area. There are people in your area that garden and they want to share their knowledge. Join a garden club, join a community garden. Item number eight and finally, get to know native plant enthusiasts in your area. In Louisville, Get to know Wild Ones Louisville. Wild Ones Louisville on Facebook. Visit Wild Ones Louisville on Facebook. Get to know us. I'm the president of that particular 
organization. But people who know native plants, they tend to really appreciate the local ecosystem, which is what we need to be moving back to with regard to our food and farming. I've got a couple minutes left. Let me leave you with something to think about. So I'm here to tell you that most of what we see on the news is wrong. I mean, it's very selective. Uh, it, most of what we I know most of what we hear about climate change is wrong. Yes, climate change is real. Yes, climate change is serious. But we're taught to focus on one little bitty part of climate change, which is carbon dioxide that comes out of our tailpipes or comes from the coal plant. Yes, those things are bad, and we need to deal with fossil fuels. But it's what they the the, the lie, the deception is what they are not telling you. They're not telling you that our economic system mainly needs to change. They need, they're not telling you that our system of government mainly needs to change. They're not telling you that the Democrats are not on your side. They're not telling you that the Republicans are not on your side. They're not telling you that the federal government is not on your side. They're not telling you that many of the big green organizations are thoroughly corrupt. And when it comes to climate, they're not telling you how extremely consequential food and farming really is. Nor are they telling you how the solutions are not hard. The transition from where we are to where we need to be is not difficult. It's just that we're not being told about it. Growing our food locally is not difficult, but we're not being told about it. We're not being told about how much more nutritional our food would be if we grew it in living soils. We're not being told about how the nutritional value of a carrot has declined dramatically in recent years. We're not being told about how the nutritional value of a tomato has declined dramatically, or an orange. I can show you evidence that some oranges have zero vitamin C. We're not being told about how solutions to things such as flood and drought lie in farming and landscaping. We're not being told that. We're shown a version of farming that is good for a few commercial interests and not for anybody else. We're shown a toxic, destructive version of farming. We're shown a toxic, destructive version of landscaping as if that's normal, as if it's natural, as if that's what we should want, or as if it's inevitable and it can't be changed, but none of that is true. So if you get nothing else from this series on food, farming, and climate, know how we're being lied to on a large scale and the solutions to our problems are so basically simple. So join me and we will find those solutions right around the corner. 
Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great day.